good morning. This is Driving Theology, and I'm Mike. And I will be your guide today in all things spiritual. Uh, maybe not, uh, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I will be talking for the next 40 minutes or 35 minutes uh, about some spiritual things. I have to admit, I'm a little groggy this morning. My voice probably sounds lower than normal. I got up kind of late. was up late. Got up late. Um, and uh, we're in the middle of a big vacation week uh, here in Japan. But this is one day that I actually have to go to work. It happens to be my Wednesday when I get to spend time with you guys. Uh, so I thought I'd record another podcast. Um, Generally, we talk about things theological and different concepts. Uh, I'm no scholar. Uh, I just like to like to read and contemplate, talk about uh, theology because I, I I just believe that there's really nothing more important in life. Than your understanding of the divine. Uh, and the closer we can get to a true understanding, possible or impossible as that may be, I think it's, it serves us all better because through, through theology, I have been discovering a God who increasingly becomes more and more good in my view. The, the longer I contemplate him and learn about him from ancient writers from, and from new writers and from the, the world at large and from nature brighter and brighter his glory shines for me um, I'm finding Jesus to be the God we've always wanted but feared didn't exist uh, the, the, the God who, who understands all and forgives all loves all, um, but many of us has fear, have feared that that he, he doesn't exist, you know, many of us still fear today that this, this all, this God who is all good and all uh, benevolent um, doesn't exist, um, and of course the reason for this is, uh, usually sin, right? Our own sin. Um, I suppose if I was a, 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 a rare human being who never sinned, uh, I would have no reason to fear, to fear God at all. Um, but I am a person who sins and, and in some ways is, is and has been enslaved by sin. Past, every time that I would fall, 
I would I would blame myself. I'd bl blame my, blame myself for <clears throat> not being good enough, or not being strong enough, or not knowing enough, uh, or not being courageous enough. Um, but now I realize that I, I I have a God who understands all of that. And who even feels sorry for us for having to be in this predicament. Because we did not, you know, the people who live today did not bring sin into the world. Sin came into the world uh, through evil spiritual powers. Uh, and they, they deceived mankind and continue to do so. Right? This is something that continues to happen. So we are besieged by powers that we can't see. Uh, and are expected to use, uh, you know, to, to be able to defend against that, to defend against uh, eternal spiritual powers. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm just not well equipped uh, to handle that kind of uh, barrage. And it's constant, right? In today's world, it's constant. Um, I guess it's always been constant. I think this is why Paul realizes that when you do what you don't want to do, it's not you who does it, but sin that lives in you, the sin, the sin that dwells in you, and that sin uh, is the sin, <clears throat> I think sometimes referred to as original sin, it's, it's, a, it's become a part of who we are, unfortunately, uh, passed down to us from generation to generation. Interestingly enough, science may have figured out the mechanism for this. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. <clears throat> um, and, and I don't know, I, I haven't thought about it theological until, uh, theologically until this, until this moment. So, here's what science thinks they have figured out. And, it, and this would explain reincarnation and the belief in that uh, whatever you want to call that <laughs> that that religious um, doctrine or belief uh, it would explain um, irrational fears that we sometimes have uh, it might explain a lot of things and it might explain original sin uh, so here's here's the idea uh, your ancestors. Uh, well, well, let me let me let me take myself for instance. I have an ir irrational fear of spiders. I don't like them. I'm fine with snakes. I'm fine with other insects. Uh, spiders uh, really, really get me. And by association, so do uh, the Japanese giant centipedes. I'm not real big on those guys. Uh, so I have a, a fear of them. Uh, why do I have a fear of them? I can't point to any one thing that's ever happened in my life. I've never been bitten, as far as I know, by a poisonous spider. Uh, nor has have I seen anyone bitten by a poisonous spider. But somehow, I have this irrational fear. Now, other people have irrational fear of heights, irrational fear of water. 
uh, irrational fear of people, um, possibly even racism could be an irrational fear. Uh, and what what science is exploring right now is that DNA passed on to us from our ancestors may actually store memories. They may actually be able to pass down their memories to us through DNA. And so the DNA that we receive from our parents and they receive from their parents may contain uh, information that's locked up and makes its way into our brains and into our memories to the point where we we have memories that we can't explain. And actually, I've had some of those, and, and I realize it now, and, and it's kind of strange, but I have memories of myself. Uh, you're going you're gonna to laugh, because um, <laughs> this is not a big deal to a lot of people, but it's kind of a big deal to me. I have memories of myself smoking, even though I know I have never smoked in my life. But I have memories of myself actually like chain smoking. <clears throat> but it's not something I've ever uh, been um, uh, tempted to do. Right? It's not something that's ever uh, ever been on my my mind to do because my parents uh, instilled an irrational fear of cigarettes into my mind as a little kid. And so none of us have have done that. Right? It's not something that we've done. Um, but that's not something that came through. The, you know, the fear of smoking is not something that came to me through DNA. That was my parents, right? Um, they both smoked, and they came through a period where they believed it was wrong, and they quit. Uh, and yeah, so they they instilled in all of us not to be smokers. And so I know but I have never purposely inhaled tobacco smoke into my lungs. It's not something I've ever done. Uh, and yet, I have memories of, of smoking, of me smoking. It's really strange, I don't understand it. But now I wonder if, you know, maybe, way that science is, is experimenting and, and studying this, how possible is it that I have been handed down memories from my ancestors of that? Uh, maybe they took it, tremendous joy in it. Uh, maybe it was an addiction that they wanted to quit, but they couldn't, you know. Uh, whatever, whatever it is that made a memory that was worthy enough to be uh, transported down through down through DNA, um, it seems to have reached me. Now, I don't know that this is true. This is, again, something new. Um, obviously quite new. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. So, you know, is this where original sin physically lies? Is this is this something that that we have been, perhaps a lie that we've been taught about God that actually comes to us in our DNA and we feel it 
in our bones, <laughs> so to speak, and yet it could be wrong. It could be something that, that uh, instills in us <clears throat> or causes us to want to live in fear uh, and in guilt and shame. Is, is that where original sin lies? <laughs> uh, again, this is new thought to me. I've never contemplated that. Um, but it is interesting that that Paul kind of puts it like this. It's, it's not, it's no longer you, but sin living in you that makes you do what you do not want to do. Uh, in other words, what we call things like destructive behaviors. We know they're not good for us. We know they're not good for other people. And yet we do them, and we don't seem to be able to to fight off the urge to do it again, at least not by our own efforts. Uh, yeah, so make of that what you will. That's interesting. What is what is this sin that lives in us? This sin that we we have received from Adam, right? Uh, through Adam, all men have sinned, or all men are living in, or are in sin, or or sin is in them because of of the first Adam. Um, and so we know that we are children of Adam, and the fact that we're children of Adam is um, proven by the fact that we sin. Right, <clears throat> Jesus uh, was not a child of Adam. Jesus never sinned. Um, in a sense, he he still had. Uh, well, I guess he was a child of Adam physically. Let me backtrack on that. Jesus was a child of Adam physically, and in that case, through his mother's DNA, or through his mom because she's simply human and a descendant of Adam, he must have had sin in him as we do in us. Now, before you um, get all huffy and puffy, I want to I wanna explain something that I believe to be true. I believe there's, there's two ways to, to think of sin. Uh, there is the sin uh, that permeates the world, that corrupts it, that causes decay, that causes chaos. Uh, there is sin in the very fabric of the earth. Um, and I believe that to be the sin that has been passed down through Adam. Uh, but when we give into that sin, we commit individual sins, right? Um, for example, when because there is lack in the world and I become hungry and I decide to kill in order to have more food, to steal someone's food. Uh, that is both kinds of sin working in me uh, to affect that uh, action, right? <clears throat> Hunger is not, was not God's original intent for us. Uh, Hunger was brought into the world because of sin. Right? We had plenty in the garden. Uh, there was plenty of food for everyone. Uh, 
uh, enter uh, Satan and the forbidden fruit and being thrown out of that garden of plenty to where we have to now cultivate the land to bring forth food. Um, that's both, again, you know, sin. Uh, that's the sin that entered the world through the deception by Satan uh, and Adam and Eve. <clears throat> Sorry, I totally lost my train of thought for a minute. That happens when I'm driving because I'm, I'm seeing stuff happening in front of me and, and I can get distracted from, from my talk. <laughs> Which is probably a good thing because I won't wreck, uh, hopefully if that's the case. Um, anyway, so we have these two, two sin natures living within us. The sin that we have inherited uh, from um, Adam which I believe is physically in the world and in us um, now, and I think I may, you know, we may have discovered the mechanism for that. And uh, the sins that we commit because we are fallen beings. Which I think happen, uh, it happens by the way we react with the world, right? With this fallen world. Our reactions to the fallen nature of the world are where we are likely to commit an individual sin. Uh, now, I believe Jesus was without individual sin uh, because this Holy Spirit within him was strong and he uh, believed um, in its power and that therefore his uh, divine nature uh, and I'm going to qualify that in a second his divine nature was able to conquer his fallen nature and he was able to live his life though he had a fallen human body he was able to live in life in such a way that he never reacted sinfully to the sin that was within him uh, and I think there's some evidence of this now, I said I was going to come back to that in a second. Now I've got to remember what I was going to come back to. That's the problem with driving. You can't really make anything but a mental note. Let's see, let me, let me backtrack. What was I talking about? Oh, uh, his divine nature allowed him to overcome his human nature and therefore go, go without sinning. Now, th this ties into what I talked about, I think, last week in the podcast. Uh, it could have been two weeks, but uh, this divine nature, of course, Jesus had within him, right? We know that the Holy Spirit was strong in him. I'm starting to sound like Master Yoda. Uh, but, see, this is what I believe Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, teaches us when the Holy Spirit came down. Uh, with fire and, and uh, indwelt the people in the upper room uh, waiting for just that thing. I think we all now can have that divine nature in us that helps us overcome our um, fallen nature. 
um, and that divine nature <clears throat> is what we talk about when we talk about Jesus in my heart or, or God being with me or uh, the indwelling life of Christ as uh, Frank Viola likes to talk about it uh, or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit however, however you'd like to, to state it that's what we're talking about the, a divine nature that enters into us that has the power to balance out and negate the evil power within us that, that I, as I have said before, has been passed down onto us. Uh, that is a very, very much a physical part of us. It has the this divine nature has the power to balance that out. Okay, and what a great thing that is. You know, in this way, it's like a medicine. It's like, it's like, it's like genetic. Uh, what do they call it? Genetic therapy, almost, right? So that the divine nature can enter into you, and over time, I think time is an important element in this. Over time, can can what's the word we use? Uh, suppress. That's the word. Can suppress your evil nature. Uh, all the while, your spiritual nature is strengthening divine nature. And the interesting thing is, this divine nature is what we were given in the beginning, and what was taken away, or perhaps severely suppressed, when sin into the world, entered the world. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is kind of interesting. So, the, the, the spirit moving into our body is the cure for our bodies of the spiritual, or, or uh, sorry, the, uh, the sinful corruption um, that has resided there um, in the flesh. Right, that's what we talk about, the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh spirit is willing but the flesh is weak we're always talking about this this dual existence uh, that we have now this can lead some people to believe that the the physical is to be done away with that your physical body is to be thrown away uh, and that the spiritual is the ultimate good uh, the spiritual is pure the physical is corrupted is bad, right? Uh, the problem with this is that Jesus rose from the dead in a physical body, right? We know this because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he ate, he actually ate food uh, after he rose. He still had the marks of his wounds in his hands and his feet and his side when he rose from the grave. And Thomas, as far as we know, touched him. Now we also know that his new physical body was not the old physical body in uh, limitation. He was able to, for lack of a better word, transport himself 
uh, here and there, and even be in many places at one time, according to uh, the scriptures, the New Testament. And so what has happened is the spiritual has married the physical in a way that the spiritual has purified the physical, but the physical remains. There becomes a perfect marriage between the spiritual and the physical. And that's what we believe that this new glorified existence that we are to receive um, one day, let's just say that so we don't get into some uh, deliberations on eschatology, um, that we hope that we will receive one day that Jesus did receive. That's why Paul calls him the firstborn from the grave. He's the firstborn of this new creation, this, this, this new marriage of the spiritual and the physical uh, to create a, an incorruptible physical body. Uh, and so we don't have to buy into this uh, uh, Greek um, philosophical thought that the spiritual is the only good and that the physical is bad physical is not bad, it's simply corrupted. It's been corrupted uh, for millennia, and Jesus' spirit is such that he can make all things new again. Interestingly enough, not just our bodies. So we're also talking here about the world itself, uh, its systems and its structure, uh, its physical makeup have all been corrupted by sin. That's why we have this word political corruption, right? We see it in, in all big organizations. Uh, we see corruption uh, in schools and universities, and we see it in police departments and in business and in politics and in church. We see this corruption everywhere, right? It happens. The world's systems are corrupted by sin, and the, the sinful, the sinful people, the corrupted people who run them. So all of that will be fixed. The, the physical world itself, the, the oceans and the mountains and the, the rivers and the lakes and the animal life and the plant life, uh, the weather and, and space and the stars and you know the cosmos have all been affected, as far as we know, by this sin. And it will all be realigned, purified, perfected as well. Um, well, now we're getting into eschatology. But uh, I think it's, it's worthwhile to understand that this physical world you're in, <clears throat> that God created and said was good, in his eyes is still redeemable. He's not going to destroy the world. But what he's going to do is bring his spirit into it in a big way. And this is what, this is what Revelation uh, chapter 21, 22 talk about. His spirit re-entering the world and, and uh, having again a perfect presence here. Uh, and I believe the world will be renewed. And that's why the Bible talks about the oceans will be gone. Uh, the oceans will be dried up. Um, and uh, no more tears, no more sickness, no more night, 
uh, no more no more pain in general right all of these things uh, all of these pain causing institutions if you will uh, will be done away with but I believe the physical world will, will remain and there will be a, a perfect spiritual marriage with the physical that will create uh, our heaven on earth uh, and so you know this attitude that we can just you know leave trash or you know waste uh, toxic uh, sludge we don't need to worry about that because you know what God's gonna just destroy this place anyway this world is not my home I'm just a passing through is a, is a hymn that we used to sing a song all the you know a, a hymn that we used to sing in, in uh, services all the time right uh, it's a it's a battle cry it's a you know what this you know this world is hard this world sucks uh, it's painful this existence uh, is no fun, but it doesn't matter because this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, right? Uh, but you know what? N.T. Wright's helped me realize that, you know what? This world is our home. We were made for this world, and this world was made for us. Uh, and and it's just been corrupted by sin. But we still see God's beauty coming forth. I see it in those trees and, you know, in the flowers animals and in all those things I see the corruption as well right but there's still beauty here and there's still beauty in people no matter how uh, entrenched we are in sin and corruption there's still beauty here there's still beauty in people's hearts and so I think the I've talked about this before, but the kingdom of God is that <clears throat> that renewing and preparing and delivery system for the the, the cure to the world, uh, and it has spiritual and physical aspects. The problem is evangelical evangelicalism in the last two hundred years is only focused or mainly focused on uh, the spiritual aspects. And anything physical has been almost an afterthought, a, a stopgap, or a, a contingency plan, just in case, you know, let's do a few good works, but hey, we're saved by grace, we don't need to do anything, uh, let's just make sure everybody believes in Jesus, uh, gets dunked, uh, and takes their communion, sacraments, whatever you want to call it, uh, and, you know, let's just wait till this world ends, wait for our death, and then it'll all be good. Uh, but the, you know, the gospel of the kingdom is that we can be ushering in an era of unprecedented healing and peace and hope and love wherever we are, right? That's what we can do. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I don't know, it's all interesting stuff, um, you know, from the possible memories that we have in our DNA, um, proclivities, if you will, irrational fears, memories, um, 
how that all plays into um, how God is fixing everything. I think it's an intriguing thought. Um, met a man yesterday, somebody I've known for many years, but I, I don't, he lives uh, about an hour away or so. I don't get to see him very often. He's, he's in his 70s and his heart and his lungs are giving out. And uh, he's been given only six months to live. And, uh, you know, he's on oxygen 24-7. He can, he can barely walk uh, from his chair to the door uh, without needing to sit down and take breath. He's in, he's in a lot of physical anguish. He's got other physical ailments as well. His body seems to be breaking down especially his lungs at this point. Uh, and he is, he is feeling the existence of sin in his body. But I also know him to be a good man, a man who has, who has helped and, and uh, worshipped Jesus the best way he's known how all of his life. So there's a, you know, there's a bittersweetness to his passing because I believe that with his passing he will pass from from pain into comfort, um, from from sadness into joy, uh, and that his pain will be no more. And that's a comfort to me, um, knowing that that's waiting for him, I can have hope that it's waiting for me. <clears throat> anyway, my, my, my prayers are with you, Marlon. And uh, I don't like to see you like this, um, but I'm glad you and people like you have given hope to further generations that, that that's not the end. Well, I'm going to leave it there. Just about where I need to be. I'm running late. My goodness. Love you guys. Uh, have a good day. Bye-bye.